Just after dawn My love and I ride in Do on a tree all right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast into the week of October 30th, 2022, Reformation Sunday and also Dia de los Muertos. So if you're in town on Sunday, I hope you'll join us. Uh, that was Bonnie Light Horseman's new song, California. Uh, for those keeping track at home, that's two weeks in a row. Bonnie Light Horseman, uh, they have a new album. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go check that out. Uh, this week, we're in John chapter 8, switching from the Gospel of Luke to the Gospel of John, starting in verse 31. Then Jesus turned to those religious and claimed to believe him. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth, and the truth will free you. Surprised, they said, but we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say the truth will free you? And Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is, in fact, a slave, a slave that can't come and go at will. The son, though, has an established position, the run of the house. So if the son sets you free, you are free through and through. The word of the Lord. All right. Well, uh, a bit of a cryptic text for uh, Reformation Sunday and Dia de los Muertos, but I think I think we can thread that needle, and I hope we will have. I know we will have a great discussion on Sunday. We always do. Uh, I want to open up um, trying to synthesize these ideas from this particular text in John and talking about Dia de los Muertos. I want to start with a quote from uh, Francis of Assisi. He writes this, All praise be yours, my Lord through sister death, from whose embrace no mortal can escape. Uh I think many of you remember, because uh, we, we talked about it several times last year, when William Shatner went into space uh, last year with Jeff Bezos and his space thingy. Uh, well, recently it was reported that Shatner is coming out with a new book, and he was reflecting on his experience and in going to, into space with Bezos. And I thought it was really interesting um, what he had to say about it. He, he said this, All I saw was death. Everything I expected was wrong. Everything I expected to see was wrong. So while Shatner, he expected to be awed at the vision of the cosmos, um, to see the, the earth without the filter of the atmosphere, he instead became overwhelmed uh, by the idea that humans are slowly destroying the planet. And he said one of the strongest feelings of grief that he's ever encountered was when he was on uh, this trip to space. He, he said this, when I got to space, I wanted to get to the window and see what it was that was out there. And all I saw, I looked at the blackness of space. There were no dazzling lights. It was just palpable blackness. I believed all I saw was death. So on that cheery note, uh, I hope you join us on Sunday. <laughs> this is what we're going to be talking about. Um, we're going to be talking about death, a variety uh, of different deaths. We're going to be honoring uh, the deaths of those that we've lost. And this morning, I'm going to offer some thoughts about death and dying as a liberating path to living well. And I think we see Shatner's, uh, the notion that he conveys played out 
all over the place, throughout time and through all traditions and cultures around the world. It was precisely when Shatner experienced the deep emptiness of space. It was through that experience that he was able to realize with awe and wonder and appreciation the fullness of what is present to us on earth that we take for granted. Uh, This is why we're we're at Mission Hills uh, and why I'm incredibly critical of theologies and ideologies that fantasize escape, whether that's heaven with the evangelicals or escape to Mars with Elon Musk. We have to be critical of this notion about fantasizing escape. One of my, so as we're thinking about death this week, one of my favorite movies, uh, many of you know, is Dead Poet Society. And we also see this conveyed throughout this movie uh, to wake us up from the slumber of our conventional humdrum lives uh, to look and gaze upon death as a way to seize our life. Um, We can hear Robin Williams say, carpe diem, carpe diem. (laughs) So uh, this text that we just read from John finds us on Reformation Sunday, some 500 in, I think, five years since uh, Martin Luther nailed that 95 thesis on the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany on October 31st. I think that's, yeah, 1517 is when that happened. So, So we're on the eve of Halloween. We're commemorating Dia de los Muertos, and we're spending time reflecting and honoring uh, what we've lost, but as a way to be more present to our lives. And I think we see this in the exchange of the text between Jesus and his followers here. Um, the group of people that Jesus is talking to in this text were disciples, followers, and yet Jesus is he's pointing out something that they, that they can't quite internalize or they can't quite realize um, what it is to... Um, to allow the son to have the run of the house, as Jesus says at the end of this text. So we'll try to like get in and parse out um, that kind of cryptic language that Jesus is using there. And I want to recognize that this is a complicated text. There's a variety of different uh, cultural concepts that are floating around in this dialogue that we could dig into if anybody wants to on Sunday. But I think that there is a pretty profound lesson about death and the concept of dying before we die. We, we see this in the Christian tradition, and we ref, we've referenced this in different ways, this idea of dying before we die. What do we mean by this? Well, we clearly see this in a variety of different aspects of the sacraments of the Christian tradition. We see this in baptism, being lowered into the water and raised to new life. Each week we practice the Eucharist, uniting ourselves with Christ around the elements of shed body and blood. And we honor this consistent pattern of death and resurrection and what it means to be human and to allow ourselves to really connect with what matters to us in life. And I talk about all the time how when we gather as a community, I hope that we remind each other of what really matters. I mean, so much of our life is just spent trying to get by and survive and to uh, create a better life for ourselves and the ones we love. But when we gather, we remind each other of what really, really matters. And we talked about this uh, a bit la- this past week. And Jesus calls this reality the kingdom of God, which has all these different kind of socio-political dimensions to it, which we, which we know. Um, Jesus emphasizes, though, 
that at a f- fundamental level, uh, that in order to gain our life, we must lose it first. And one of my favorite lines from John's gospel and John's Jesus comes from a few chapters after the text we just read, where he says, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, and remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. So our tradition over and over emphasizes that the path of awareness to awaken is to be fully present in our lives, which requires the acceptance of this death and resurrection pattern. One reason we practice silent prayer is to practice many deaths, as Thomas Keating calls them. These are radical practices in a culture and world that is death adverse. James Baldwin wrote, the root of our trouble, the human trouble, is that we will sacrifice all the beauty of our lives. We will imprison ourselves in totems, taboos, crosses, blood sacrifices, steeples, mosques, races, armies, flags, nations, in order to deny the fact of death. One of my favorite movies that I mention all the time is, yep, you guessed it, The Fountain. And we see this dynamic play out between Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz. They're wrestling with the prospect of her death, her with acceptance, him with resistance. And we no doubt live in a resistance culture where there are so many delusions. And I think Jesus here is calling us to die in order to awaken to the kingdom of God. Uh, Thomas Merton wrote, it is the acceptance of life in the midst of death not because we have courage or light or wisdom to accept, but because by some miracle of God, himself accepts to live in us at the very moment when we descend into death. So in our text today, we see Jesus confront this group of followers who believe in some capacity, but do not abide in Christ, as the Gospel of John puts it. In John's Gospel, to abide in Christ is different than merely believing or clearly following like this particular group of people. Uh, It says something about endurance and oneness. For Jesus, abiding is different than merely believing. Uh, This group of believers is missing the mark, or as the message puts it, trapped in a dead end of self. It's their sense of identity is tied to some kind of external. Maybe it's Uh, tribal identity, or religious, or moral, or ideological. We don't know the details. Jesus reminds them, though, that the truth is that dying to their ego fixations will set them free. This is something like what it means to abide. Uh, One of my seminary professors, Marianne Thompson, she wrote a a commentary in the Gospel of John. She writes this, Jesus explains to these would-be disciples how they can receive freedom from sin and death. First, there is the assertion that a slave does not abide forever in the house, but a son does. The statement is not Christological, rather, it simply asserts that a son, as an offspring and heir, enjoys a permanent place in his parental home. Jesus asserts that the son, precisely because he is free and so has a permanent place in the household, can make others free. The son confers his own freedom on those who are receptive to his word and continue in it. And so we've talked uh, recently about this nature of faith and faithfulness and how it occurs through 
acts of surrender. And I think we see this reality in this exchange between Jesus and his followers who are here clinging to what um, they think it means to control their lives of faith. I think you see something like that, that they sort of respond to him with this assertion, like, we're, no, we're good. We're sons of Abraham. Don't you know that? <laughs> and there's a level of clinging and control that they have in relation to what they think it means to follow Jesus. Uh, Richard Rohr in his, I don't know if you've heard of him. <laughs> it's a mission hills inside. Okay. So he writes in his new book, when a Christian needs to ensure outcomes, we know they are outside the realm of faith. When we do not need to control the future, we are in a creative liminal space where God is most free to act in our lives. Faith seems to be an attitude that Jesus most praises in people, maybe because it makes hope and love possible. And to me, it seems like we see that interplay here, this uh, invitation to uh, this creative and liminal space, this invitation from Jesus to these followers. But it is in this space where uh, we let go of control that faith exists. Okay, so we're trying to bring together these ideas around dying before we die, accepting death as a way to truly live. And Jesus is asking his disciples, his followers here in this particular text, the very same thing, to die to some sense of who they think they are, some sense of their identity that they're tying to their life and their life following Jesus in this particular story. Uh, this, the call is the same for us today. How do we live lives truly liberated through the experience of dying and accepting death? To be free from who we think we are or who we want to be or who others think we are. Last week after church, we were talking about how, how hard it is for so many of us after college or grad school to de develop any kind of sense of self-worth because since we were five years old, that has been tied to our school success. So uh, this can be re these kind of ego deaths can be extremely difficult, whether it happens because of school or, a, or a, an actual death or an illness, where we so closely identify with a sense of self when we lose that false self-structure, we, we completely do not know who we are. We see this uh, through athletes who maybe they suffered a career-ending injury, leaving them without their ability to, to play. And their entire sense of identity is tied to their ability to perform at this high level that they've done. And then after that career is over, they have completely lose their self-worth uh, and sense of identity. So in our consumer productivity-obsessed culture, we see people tie their sense of self to their job, money, hobbies, sometimes switching these all the time. Uh, when one sense of self is gone, you have to fill it with something else. And this is not uh, the liberation, this is exactly the opposite of the liberation that Christ is, is talking about here. To die before we die is to let go of these false senses of self, which is who we think we are, the roles we play in our lives, uh, the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. Uh, Thomas Keating calls uh, some of this the emotional programs for happiness. Ego deaths are rough and are almost always the result of a letting go 
or a failing or a falling. Uh, my two major ego deaths were the result of religious life and a long-term illness I had during seminary that left me sort of just spiraling because I had no idea what made me prior. Uh, all of that was gone, and it made me completely question how I determine my sense of self. Kathleen Dowling Singh writes, the ordinary mind and its delusions die in the nearing death experience. As death carries us off, it is impossible to any longer pretend who we are is our ego. Our ego is transformed in the very carrying off. This is something like what it means to die before we die. To be prepared to death for death is to be prepared to truly live. And I particularly like her phrasing of the ordinary mind, what I consider like kind of like conventional thinking. And it can re represent, I think, an unexamined life or, or just simply mirror our kind of cultural identifiers and values, just kind of going along. You can just imagine how most of us live our daily lives, just trying to get from one thing to the next. And I think she's so spot on to point out that all of that, when we come back to the question of what really matters, all of that is delusions that disappear when we confront death. In our, our culture, like it tells us to avoid these experiences at all costs because these kinds of ego death experiences, letting go, surrender, those do not build us up or motivate us to be good producers and consumers. Like ego death does not produce good consumers. And that is the very thing Jesus has come to liberate us from. When we die to who we think we are, who we wish we were, who we think we need to be, what kind of life that's going to give us. It's in that space where we can truly live. Here, now, the kingdom of God is within you, among you. To die before we die is to be liberated from who we think we need to be, what kind of stuff we have, and these forms of ego death are perhaps the only things that can truly liberate us into the loving experience of grace and acceptance. And I think this is so often what Jesus experienced with his followers. Some experienced it and others didn't. In the gospel, we are reminded it's for the losers, the failures, the down and out, the dying. Grace, freedom, liberation, is felt in the experience of loss itself, suffering, surrender, and death. This is perhaps why the path is narrow and difficult and requires what the gospel writers would call faith, which is a lack, not a gain. As Jesus paraphrases it poetically in our text, here the son has run of the house. I think Paul puts it like this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And our world is all about gaining and consuming and producing, hustling, acquiring, whether literally or figuratively, and Christ calls us to die in order to live. 
I think this is the truth of liberation that Jesus is talking about in this text and that he experienced deeply and is offering to his followers. Let go. No, we're sons of Abraham. That's, yeah. Let go. Let go of that. But I work this. Yeah, let go of that. The Christian life is so simple yet impossibly difficult because we're called to die in a world trying to preserve existence through success and progress. So we're here on the eve of Dia de los Muertos, honoring those we have lost by reflecting on death so that we can be more present, to recognize death is not an end, but a beginning of life. And we do this as we affirm the mystery of death and resurrection all around us here and now. And I, I hope this week, as we reflect on faith as abiding and abiding as surrender and surrender as dying, whatever that reflection on death is for you, my prayer is that we would all let go into the abundance of love that is waiting for us in every moment. And as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well. One fine mom, just after dawn, my love and I ride in. Do on the trees, sun in the east, slipping and sliding. Goodbye to California. Seems like we're hard in New Year. Seems good a time, isn't it? To believe in the land of plenty. Broken heart.